0: Welcome to the Opposition Research Podcast here on HawkeyeNation.com. My name is Andrew Downs. Each week I'll find a beat reporter, blogger, or broadcaster that covers Iowa's upcoming opponent. If you have a suggestion for who I should talk to in a given week, or if you have any questions you'd like me to ask, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew C. Downs. Let's get to this week's game. It's Iowa at Minnesota, a 6 o'clock kick on Friday night. My guest today covers Minnesota for the Star Tribune. It is Megan Ryan. Megan, thank you for the time today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You know, it's our first time playing on a Friday night here in Iowa. And you've been there before, including earlier this season. What's the feeling there in the fan base about these Friday night games?
1: You know, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. This year is so weird that I feel like everything is just kind of like whatever at this point. You know, <laughs> right. I think there might have been more outrage about it uh, if it were a normal season, but. Now it's just kind of like, man, who knows? Um, I know the Friday night things have been a little controversial because it kind of does away with the, the, the foundation of what football is in this country, which is Friday is for high schools and Saturdays is for uh, college and then Sundays is for the NFL. But, uh, you know, I, the thing that was kind of cool about the last Friday game they had, if they had actually managed to play better, was that like everybody was watching that Maryland Minnesota game? Like, yeah. I was just going off my Twitter feed, but like all the national writers, like that was the kind of only thing that was on. And so it had a lot of eyes and attention, especially when you're in this kind of COVID era where people aren't going out on a Friday night like they maybe would have in the past. So, you know, if you can actually play well, you can command a lot of attention in this kind of more national spotlight than you would have had, you know, on a Saturday when there's a bunch of other games. So there's pros and cons to it for sure, but. Um, I think people are generally just happy that there's football at all this season.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You know, and I think a rivalry like this deserves some some national spotlight, some more eyes on it, some some attention, and and hopefully we can all, uh, give them a good game Friday night between Iowa and Minnesota. Now the the Gophers got off to a st- tough start to the season, uh, but got right on Saturday, and it's very much like what Iowa has gone through, starting 0-2 and, and then blowing out Michigan State Saturday afternoon. What changed for Minnesota last week, or or what clicked maybe to make it Look so much better?
1: Um, you know, a little hard to say. I think the from just if you're just looking at the gophers perspective, definitely they got the passing game a little bit more involved from the start. Rashad Bateman um, you know, had an early touchdown. It was his first touchdown of the season and they got You know, the passing game was a little bit more interspersed in the plan, um, whereas they had heavily relied on the run the past couple of games. And the passing kind of seems like an afterthought, which is weird considering you're returning Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman. So, But, I mean, when you've got Mohamed Ibrahim and the way he's running, I kind of get it. And, you know, against Maryland, I think it made sense to try to focus on the run. But, anyways, the game plan was a little sketchy. So I think it's good that they got the passing game uh, a little bit more involved. The defense definitely was better. Um, they tightened a lot of things up, I think, which is good. Uh, the, the problem, I mean, the hard thing for the defense is they were so, so bad the first couple of games. Um, and I don't know if Illinois offense was really a good barometer to say, Oh, they fixed it. Like they only allowed 287 yards instead of 675, like they did at Maryland. Um, but the thing with that is, you know, the Illinois offense is not super strong to begin with and they're on their 4 string quarterback. So you kind of expected that performance. So I, I, my jury's a little bit still out on the defense and if they really vastly improved or not. Um, I think special teams have gotten a lot better in part of that's because they just have bodies back. Like they, the first game of the season, they had their like second string kicker doing field goals and kickoffs, even though he could only do pooch and squib kicks because he's still recovering from sports hernia surgery. Um, and then they had their backup punter who was not very good. God bless them. Sorry about that. But uh, so now they have their kickoff guy back. They have their field goal guy back. They have their punter back. So, yeah, they haven't played. You know, I think the last game was their first one where they actually all made an appearance at the same time. So we'll see, you know, how they improve this week. But there are definitely signs pointing upward. But it is hard to say because I do think the difference with with Iowa and Minnesota, even though Iowa's got a different, you know, or the same record is that Iowa's had a lot closer games. Um and played maybe a little bit better caliber of, of opponent. Um so We'll kind of have to see what happens, I
0: guess. Yeah, it's so hard that in, in this season, you know, without non-conference games with really such such a weird offseason where for so long we didn't even know if games were going to be played. It's hard to, it's hard to put context into any of this, really, because, uh, you know, looking at Iowa's schedule before this season, you thought, OK, these first couple games might be easier. And then this is really when the season gets harder. When you go to Minnesota, you go to Penn State. Well, now these games maybe look a little easier than they did initially. And maybe those losses to Purdue and Northwestern aren't quite as bad as as Maybe they were. We don't know how good Maryland is. Or as you said, uh, was is Minnesota's defense much better or is Illinois' offense that, that bad? It's just such a hard season to really kind of uh, th- to get a grasp on. Uh, you know, here here in Iowa, we know names like Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, Muhammad Ibrahim. Those are all guys that we know. Outside of those three, who else is dangerous? Who else should we be looking for on the gopher offense? Um,
1: I think, you know, as far as receivers, Chris Ottman-Bell is really someone that that's people should look out for. He was the number three receiver last year behind Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. Um, and he kind of had his moments where he, you know, did kind of cool things or stunning things. Like I, the big one was he had the overtime forcing touchdown at Fresno state um, in the early in the season which was a game they ended up actually winning. And so, you know, he's one that people, I think overlook. Um, and still even now they, they do because Rashad is obviously the big key, but he's definitely capable of making big plays. And, um, he, he is someone that if a team chooses to double team Rashad or try to take him out of the game, you know, there is another very valid, solid option at receiver there. So he's definitely someone that people should look out for. Um, And then I think, you know, the thing with the run game, I mean, Mo has been so dominant, but he has some guys behind him that are pretty good. Um, And Trayson Potts actually was the the, the number two running back, and he scored his first touchdown last game at Illinois. Um, And he was looking very good, but he came out of that game with an injury. Uh, we're not sure what, obviously. It's all very obscure, but you know, it's a lower right leg injury. And so I'm not sure if he's going to be back in time, which would be kind of sad because I think he was finally kind of coming into his own and and being a really good support there for mo so um but yeah you know chris ottman bell is dangerous they've got a freshman receiver who's also starting daniel jackson he's had some good moments so far as a true freshman um and could be kind of like the next big star once bateman undoubtedly leaves for the nfl (laughs) after this season so they've got a couple other options but yeah definitely tanner morgan and rashad and mo are
0: the stars how about defensively? Who who are some of the big playmakers, or maybe just a position group or two that, that we should be looking out for?
1: Um, yeah, you know it's hard to say on defense because it's just been a little it's been a little rough on that side um, for <laughs> for a couple of games now. Um, I think the if I had to pick someone out, I, Boye Mappe is he's definitely their most impact player, and he's kind of an interesting case because. He's a defensive end, and he was um, rotated in a lot last year as a sophomore on their kind of pass rush defensive end package that they had. And he was definitely the heir apparent to Carter Coughlin, who is obviously now on the New York Giants um, and just sacked Tom Brady, actually. So he, he was kind of this guy that we we had heard, we had seen him play and he definitely, you know, been really good when he's been in, in the kind of limited rotations that he had last season. And then we heard so much about him in the off season about like, he's got a 40 inch vertical and, and he's so fast even for being like a, a big DE and like, he's, got all of these leadership intangibles now that Carter's gone he's like assuming that mantle and all this stuff and then the first two games of the season come and he's not starting um he's playing but he's not starting and so it, they started him at Illinois and and i obviously that was their better defensive performance it's hard to say if that was you know the, the sole reason why they were better but he is somebody i think the coaches are are expecting a lot of big things out of him and i'm not sure that he's fully uh, achieved that in their eyes or has earned that. Um, but it, it is, you cannot deny that he has a lot of athletic ability and he is definitely one of the guys most able on that defense to make those impact plays that they were known for last year. Like he's already in three games this season without even starting two of them. You know, he's tipped a pass for an interception. He's gotten three and a half sacks. Um, he's forced to fumble like those kinds of things. Um, to do when you're not even technically starting a majority of the time are big. And they had a lot of that in abundance last year with your Antoine Winfield juniors and your Kamal Martins and whatnot. So he's definitely somebody that I I think the coaches expect more from um, and could definitely be a dangerous player to look out for.
0: You know, here in Iowa, over the last like twenty-two seasons, we've gotten pretty used to Kirk Ferentz's, uh, you know, stoic steadiness. Um, it, it seems a little different up there with with PJ Fleck. You know, talking about everybody poops and uh, kind of a kind of a different guy. Is it is it fun to cover a PJ Fleck team? Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, I will say the the thing about PJ is there's, There's never a lack of things to write about. It might not always be the thing you want to write about. Like, we probably have a lot more questions of, like, who's got COVID? What's this injury? What's going on with this guy that we haven't seen? Like, we have kind of hard-hitting questions like that. Um, And he might not always answer those, and you might not be able to write as much as you want about that stuff. But he will certainly supplement you with kind of outrageous things or interesting Mm -hmm. things or silly things, um, which has its merits, too. I mean, I think he is a guy that – fully understands a couple of things about college football. One is that his main audience is to 17 to, 20 to 22, 23-year-old kids, right? Like, that's the, those are the guys that he is trying to, to connect to and motivate and inspire. And he does that. I think we've kind of seen that in recruiting battles and we've seen that in, on the field. He's got a way of getting, getting to them. Um, so he's very good at that. And then I think he also understands that this is an entertainment business. You know, in the end of the day, like they're out there to 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 put on a show for people. And so he's very good about, you know, inspiring fans and getting them excited about things and, you know, making it fun. So, yeah, that part of that, that that is all great. Sometimes I do wish that they're a little more transparent about other things, but at least (laughs) They give me some fun stuff to to play with every now and
0: then. This is a a fun rivalry, obviously. Floyd of Rosedale, the you know who hates Iowa chant, all this stuff, and and there've been close games, but for whatever reason, Iowa has come out on top each of the last five games. How big of a game is this kind of uh, as a for a program for the fan base? Uh, How badly do they want to beat Iowa?
1: Well, the fan base wants it a lot, um, and that hasn't changed for, for several years, right? The, the two games on the schedule every year that matter the most to go for fans are Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, and, I mean, this is the sentiment that I heard a lot last season, was that if you lose those two games, it almost doesn't matter how good the rest of your season was yeah. because those are the two games that matter. And I think that was a real sticking point about last season. Like, I don't think anybody's denying that... 11 and 2 is a great year. Going on a 9 and 0 run to start the season is great. Going to the Outback Bowl, like a New Year's Day Bowl that was in sunny Tampa, and everybody, all the snowy Minnesotans got to travel down to Florida. Like that was all great. I think people enjoy that. But it is a huge sore spot that the two games that they lost that kept them from the Rose Bowl and the Big Ten championship, or even the the CFP potentially, were those two rivalry games. Um, That is hard for a lot of Minnesotans to understand. And so I think that they are the fan base is really wanting this kind of revenge win or just any kind of dominance over these border rivals that they have, you know, been on the losing side more recently in, 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 in the past. than they have been on the winning side. I think for the program, it's, it's, you know, they're funny because they like all sports teams, they try to pretend like they don't have a human emotion. So they're like, <laughs> Oh, it's just like any other game. Yep. Just, you know, go trying to go one to all this week. And it's like, but is it really like, I, I, They can say that all they want, but I am absolutely sure that these players are miffed about last year because you cannot be a 9-0 and team and go down to Iowa and lose like that and not be upset that that happened and that that took away all your chances at, you know, these things that you really wanted and that were so close and like literally in your grasp. You just had to win and it was yours. Um, so. I know that they're upset about it. And I've even seen a couple of them on Instagram, like, you know, even though they might say in the press, like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter. But then on Instagram, they're like, it's rivalry week. Like nobody forgets disrespect. Ah. So they, they want it. I know they do. Um, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good game for that because there's definitely some extra motivation on these gopher sides to write to that wrong from last year.
0: She is at the other Meg Ryan on Twitter. You can follow her work uh, on the Star Tribune. Megan Ryan, thank you so much for the time today. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. There it is. Should be a fun game Friday night. Hopefully, Iowa's offense can continue to find itself. The defense can stiffen up a little bit and stop this high-powered Minnesota offense. And Iowa can get back to 500 on the season, 2-2. Two and two. Join Joe Schmelka and myself Thursday evenings uh, from 7 to 8 o'clock. It's the Hawkeye Nation radio show on KXNO. Keep up with everything Hawkeye sports on HawkeyeNation.com. Thanks for listening, and go Hawks!